Welcome to Heavy Hops. My name's Alexi. And my name's Sam. Joining us today is Mikel Stane, vocalist for the melodic death metal band Dark Tranquility. The band recently released its 12th album, Moment, on Century Media Records. We're going to dig into the album, specifically about how it fits into the band's catalog, the process of integrating two new and exceptionally talented lead guitarists into the band's existing sound and songwriting process. Dark Tranquility also played the album in its entirety in a live-streamed performance at Stora Teatrin, a well-known theater in their hometown of Gothenburg, Sweden. There was a special beer brewed for the 25th anniversary of the band's landmark album, The Gallery, meriting a wider discussion about one of our favorite topics, beer. We also reveal our top five international albums of the year. For Sam and I, that's albums not from North America, and for Mikael, that's albums not from Sweden. Mikael is a true music enthusiast, and we enjoyed having him back on the show. Our top picks, a massive year-encompassing playlist, and information about all the beers discussed and enjoyed can be found in the episode notes. Be sure to follow us on your preferred social media platform and leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you access podcasts. Let's dive and get heavy. Mikael, welcome to Heavy Hops. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Good to see you guys again. Yeah, we should say welcome back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Now we sound proper too. We have proper microphones on, uh -huh. on, a, on an island in the archipelago of uh, Gothenburg. So yeah, this is as better. much as I'm sure you're wishing you were there. <laughs> would be nice. Would be kind of cold right now, and uh, yeah, but um, yeah, this is um, this is my preferred place to to be. Excellent. Well, what have you kind of been up to in the last couple of months since we saw you? I've uh, yeah, we released an album um, a couple of weeks ago, so that's taken up all my time, like all the preparation and um, promotion for that. And also, mm -hmm. we did a live stream concert, uh, and that was uh, a whole different kind of mess, which was cool. But <laughs> learning, cool learning experience, where we had to figure out how to be a promoter, an organizer, and everything else around the band that we normally leave to others. And uh, now we did it ourselves here in the city, so. It was cool, but it was a lot of work. But once yeah. that was over on the 22nd of, of November, I was like, can I relax now? Can I take it easy? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've been doing, yeah, like 175 interviews, something like that. So every day I've been sitting right much, very much like this, talking to a lot of people. And uh, that's, it's been cool, but it's kind of uh, cool to kind of relax and do some, something else. As well. mm -hmm. But it's um, it's been good, fantastic, and yeah, situation here in Sweden is different now. It's it's more uh, closer to what you guys are experienced, having experienced the whole year. Um, but it's still no, not even close, I would say. But it's more <laughs> restrictive, and we yeah, we shouldn't go out. We shouldn't do. But you can. You know? Yeah, well, we cannot, sort of. <laughs> well, you you can and you can't. Um, yeah. And yeah. and there's people that believe that they should uh, as well, <laughs> which um, makes it all the more difficult. Yeah, right. Yeah. It, it it's been interesting to see. I've been following what's happened in Denmark and that they've yeah. shut things down a little bit more, like what we have here. And yeah. I've been speaking to some people down there, and 
their responses were very much that we never thought we would be like America, but we're slowly getting there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Like they have like one way directional streets. So you can only walk on the right side of like a, uh, like a properly like a pedestrian street, you know, where you can only walk and no cars are allowed. Like you don't have that in America, but they do in Denmark. <laughs> so you can only walk on like the shops on the right side and then you have to go all the way to the end and then go back and then. That kind of thing, super weird, but um, and the Danish uh, people are not happy. But you know, I kind of like that because I'll be walking on the sidewalk, and you know how you have that that awkward like someone's walking this way and you're walking, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then you start doing this two step where they go this way, yeah, you go of course, way, and you're like, all right, dude, like, why do you want to walk on this side? Clearly, we we do it like we drive, right? You, you, yeah, you drive on this side of the road, you stay on this side of the road. And I mean, then, it, it makes perfect sense. It's and it's easy to follow as well. So why shouldn't they? Exactly. Yeah. I, I would. I that. would like to see that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, we haven't gone that gotten that far in in Sweden yet, but who knows? We might get there. Um, <laughs> but it's yeah. But it's good to be home and drinking beer. Yeah. What are What are you drinking? I'm drinking. This is something I'm I'm bottle uh, swapping with a friend of mine from Quebec. And he sent me this Brasserie du Bac Bas Canada, and it's called Mirage. It's a double IPA, 8%, Citra, Sabro, and Mosaic. And this was rated like 3.75 on untapped or something like that. I mean, it's, um, or even um, higher than that, I think. Yeah, 4.36. So yeah. It's uh, it's fantastic. <laughs> and I just got it like the other week. I got like this huge pack that took two months or something like that to ship from Canada. It got lost everywhere and, you know, all kinds of customs and shit, but finally arrived and, oh, it's good. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. There's a, uh, I, I love uh, beers from Quebec. I think some of the, some of my early craft beers were actually like from the Unibrew family. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I remember that they were like a huge name for uh, the craft world here. Okay. And I really enjoy the beers from Trudeau Diab and yes. uh, Dieu du Ciel as well. Yes, and I hope that uh, that your friend from Quebec is sharing those lovely beers with you. Yeah. And but these are like he, he will travel, you know, hours just to get like, you know, some beers that are only available for like one day, that kind of stuff. So there is mm -hmm. this kind of super underground beer scene in Quebec as well that you know, beers that never travel outside of the city limits, basically. And it's so good. And there's something different about it that you cannot get anywhere else, I think. Um, mm. There's this kind of, well, it's really similar to, to like people in Quebec who just go like, fuck it, let's put everything in there. Let's see what happens. You know, <laughs> this very kind of um, intense kind of beer making, much like in their food and everything else that goes on around there. Uh, and it's awesome. Like, I got, he... He brewed together with a small brewery, um, celebrate like um, beers that celebrate the release of certain classic metal albums. So he did one for the Gallery, which celebrated its 25th anniversary this year, and also one for Come of Souls by Creator, that came out in '96, uh, maybe something like that. Mm -hmm. And that was like a pastry stout full of like Toblerone, like real chocolate in there and, you know, maple syrup from Canada, all that crazy stuff. And it, it was fantastic. And I have no idea how it actually worked. Those kind of, you know, insane ideas that just, yeah, they somehow made it happen. 
So very amazing. I love it. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to coming back to Canada, trying some stuff. <laughs> well, what are you guys drinking? Yeah. Um, I'm drinking a, a Dugas Coffee Vanilla <laughs> Deluxe. Thank you, Alexi. Uh, nice. You brought that back from la- your last trip? No, I think uh, there's a beer store in Chicago called the Beer Temple. And wow. they've there's an importer in the U.S. that brings in Dugas. And actually, some of some Dugas beers, I believe, are being made stateside at a production wow. facility that that importer owns in, nice. uh, in Connecticut. Yeah. So that beer, I, that beer I know was made, uh, was made abroad, but I think I bought that entire case that the store got over time just because <laughs> I really, I really enjoyed that beer a lot. Yeah, no, it's delicious. The, the vanilla really shines through and the coffee yeah. gives a really nice, um, almost like dark cherry kind of flavor yeah. profile. It's beautiful beer. Very, very are, are amazing. Like they, they kind of considered like a, you know, one of those kind of, not a standardized brewery, but it's like they normally don't do it that much outside of the ordinary. Mm. But what they do and how they do it is just phenomenal. You know, it's they're amazing. Yeah. The Very other surprising. Uh huh. The other, <laughs> I wish, I wish I could have gotten uh, at Beer Temple a Brecari, but uh, unfortunately, mm. when I went last, they didn't have any. No. No. Those are yeah. harder to get, even here. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully the importer that carries them will be able to continue to do business and that we can get some of it here. Because I feel even though you have a lot of breweries that are making mixed fermentation beers and are doing them really well, Recordy at Beers stand out uh, on their own. I saw on social media that they were getting ready to release their Christmas beer that has the saffron in it and stuff that I'm super duper stoked for. Yeah. I was able to get a keg last year. Uh, for one of the restaurants I was working for, and yeah. it was fucking awesome. And I really hope that <laughs> I can come into a bottle this year because it's yeah. it's just a, a you know these creations are a little bit original in the context of mixed fermentation, and they do it so well with a really good sense of balance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And especially like I, I remember when that came out, like the first time they did it, like at a, at a beer festival, like the Olden Beer Festival. And everybody was blown away by it. Like everybody wanted to drink just that because like the saffron, like Christmas beer, what's going on? It's crazy, but it really worked. Like they managed to, to make something that um, odd, <laughs> really, really <laughs> shine. So, ah, incredible. Yeah, I need to get that too. It's what a, are you drinking, it, it, Alexi? Yeah, so I am drinking the Big Hugs Imperial Stout, Imperial Coffee Ooh. Stout from a local brewery here in Chicago called Half Acre. Looks oh, yeah, like yeah. they've they started getting these black cans and been labeling them, which is sick as fuck. Dude, those cool. look sick yeah. as fuck. Yeah, they do. We will <laughs> uh, for those listening in the episode notes, we'll throw in uh, information about all these beers and some uh, images of the artwork for people to check out. Nice. I was speaking. So this is a coffee stout that they produce, and they also do variations of it. Uh, so yep. they did like a vanilla coffee. They did a vanilla bourbon. Uh, barrel-aged edition that people get stoked about and I happened to be uh, happened to be it wasn't a coincidence it was not a coincidence (laughs) but I was I was writing earlier with the head of production at Dark Matter which is the coffee roaster that uh that they work with for the coffee 
Yeah. And he had some unique notes about the the coffee for this beer. Every year they do like a different extraction of the coffee for it to then be added to the beer. Yeah. Is one of the unique things about this beer. And so I'll just read it. Um so it was extracted at about uh, 10 times or 12 times the dose rate of a normal cup of coffee. Uh, he really liked the blend of this year. I would hope so. Um, half Pacas Viejo from El Salvador, which are our producer's oldest trees. He believes that they're over 60 years old, which is pretty old for coffee trees. And it's fermented with uh, Trappist yeast uh, with fermented uh, Catuai from Guatemala. So they did, uh, they used a, I know that they have uh, tanks at their uh, coffee producers where they, they use different ferment different yeast for the coffee fermentation. Yeah, yeah. And the Trappist is one that I think works really well. You get like a little bit of the dark fruit, but I think that much of that also comes off of the grist of the beer and the natural flavors of the, of the beans when roasted. Yeah. Uh, but you can get some fun accented, uh, flavors and aromas like from that yeast, especially in other beans where they've done like uh, Bavarian, Vi Bavarian vice yeast fermentation and stuff like that, or like different hop additions and stuff. Like they really do a good job of blurring the line of like beer production and coffee production. Yeah, <laughs> Super yeah. fucking cool. Holy and shit. I haven't, I haven't heard like beans being fermented in like, you know, with beer yeast before. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's yeah. that's something they've been doing for a while now. Yeah, I think they, they have been. They were uh, they were chastised by the coffee community uh, <laughs> very early on for doing it. Uh, Not allowed to use any beans like in normal production. Like it's, <laughs> they have to find their own. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. If it's, I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. Well, they in a way they kind of did. They they really did want to break the boundaries of things because coffee production was like a really, really conservative thing for a really long time. There were certain methods that you followed and there were uh, big established growers and importers. The whole trade side was like pretty rigid. And so they kind of went, uh, went off on their own and found suppliers in Central and South America that they were, they were really happy with working with them, you know, uh, on a direct trade, on a direct trade model. And now it's like kind of, beyond direct trade where I imagine they maybe invested in some of these farms and stuff like that. So it's pretty, it's pretty well integrated at this point. And oh, yeah, the, the experimentation shows in the coffee and it's fun when, um, beers, beers kind of come full circle. And with this, I know they did uh, a barrel bonanza. So every year around Christmas, this coffee roaster will cast condition beans in different beers or in different barrels and stuff like that. So yeah, like let your imagination run wild, but yeah, they yeah. release like 12 different barrel and cask uh, treatments of, uh, of different beans. So you have like the raw bean going into a barrel with beer or into like a spirit cask, soaking all that crap up and then the alcohol being burned off in the roasting process. And then in a bag in your coffee maker, before we dive into all of our albums, we could kind of talk about the new Dark Tranquility album. Um, Do that, yeah. Which, which I thought was so. We are immediately going into number one. That's what nah, you're saying. No, 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 <laughs> uh, not yet, not yet, not yet. <laughs> it was 
Uh, well, right. this is number zero, actually. You're the yeah, guest. Yeah, yeah. Pa- oh, yeah, patient, yeah, yeah, yeah. Patient zero. Patient zero. <laughs> um, I thought it was awesome. And, you know, it it kind of continued the trek after the last album, I felt. Um, yeah. And it very much played on, I, I felt, the theme of 2020. Um, <laughs> Unintentional, but yes. <laughs> I, I felt so, too. It was impossible not to to feel that as we were recording, of course, and um, yeah, finishing the album, like knowing that, yeah, there won't be any tours, there won't be anything after this. You're basically like re- recording something that will be kind of like dropped into a void in a way, you know, or, mm-hmm. and it became a headphone album and not a live album for some reason. Mm-hmm. Did did you find that um, you wrote a little differently with that notion in mind or did it just kind of came, come out the way it did? Well, everything was written before everything kind of happened. So we were done by January, February, something like that with the, the writing. And, um, and then we started recording in late February and March. Um, so it was all done, but the recording, of course, was different. And we were in the studio for yeah, probably like a month or more longer than we had anticipated because the deadline kept shifting because there was no festivals or tours to um, to kind of coincide the, the release of the album with. So we just kind of kept recording, which meant a lot of it kind of changed in the, in the studio, even though the material was still there. But I think how we approached it and how we recorded it and how we performed it, I think uh, really changed because of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, did, did you, so, when the band writes the music, do you tend to write your lyrics afterwards, or is it a process that all kind of happens at once? Um, most of the like it, it starts with the music, and mm-hmm. so when when that's done, when I have like at least like an idea of what what the song is, and we feel kind of comfortable, then I start writing lyrics, and at least to have something to sing so that we can work on the song, mm-hmm. uh, then continuously, and then things will change during that time. But um, yeah, it starts with the music so that I have at least something to kind of get a feel for, you know, get inspired by and, and also have um, something to, yeah, uh, scream to. And then, <laughs> and, then, and then, you know, and then this time around, we, we did demos very early on. So already like beginning of last year, we had demos where we tried out different things and just like, is this first really happening? It's like, should we do this? And then, then try some clean stuff instead of some really, you know, screamy stuff. And so we, we changed a lot to, throughout um, the, the writing process, which was different from what we normally do. But, uh, but it's, uh, it, it, yeah, it took, it took, it took a year just, of <laughs> just writing and figuring things out and, you know, solving problems, putting out fires, all that stuff that you do. Um, the writing process and uh, but it was fun like it was cool and but it, it was just weird that you know finally being able to record it I was like okay all this tension is like well, we're finally doing it then we started kind of um, thinking about touring thinking about all the cool festivals we want to do all that good stuff and then it's like yeah and now we're just fortunately we were stuck in the studio which is good but at the same time like yeah what do we do with this that kind of thing mm-hmm. that was tough um are you guys looking towards touring next year at this point yet, or is it still kind of up in the air with? No, I mean, yeah, yeah. nobody knows everything, anything, so um, it's inc- impossible to to do something, you know, properly or actually uh, make 
plans, but we can still kind of book venues, book shows, um, talk to support acts, all that stuff. So, and, and we have, so we have tours lined up, but everything is very loose. Anything can happen. <laughs> you know, we're mm-hmm. going into this like kind of full expecting that it won't happen, you know, but we're looking at, you know, October, I think next year for Europe and then f- February, March or something like that, uh, 22 in America for now. Mm-hmm. And that should be possible, but who knows? Yeah. If the vaccines don't work, then <laughs> back to square one. Oh man, wouldn't that be a mind fuck? We're all like looking forward to next year and then all of a sudden we're like, oh shit, they don't actually work. <laughs> yeah, and then we and the, run and back into yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. The virus mutated <laughs> so badly there's no way. <laughs> Oh man! Yeah, All right, let's all knock on some wood there. What? That would be rough, but yeah. As far as the writing, was this the first album that you had uh, Johan uh, on as a as a part of the writing process? Yeah. Um, and what? Uh, was that any different or did was working with him different than when Nicholas was in the band and with a, a different maybe dynamic between he and Martin uh, on the on the songwriting side or the transcription of Martin's work? I mean, definitely different. And we didn't really know how to approach that at first. So so Anderson Martin wrote uh, a lot of songs. So we had all this material, you know, going into to it. So we. we we did that so that we could maintain our sound, you know, and make sure that no matter what happens, we still have these songs and the melodies are there, the chords are there. Like we know basically what, what it's going to be. Uh, and then we sent the songs to Chris and Johan and like, hey, do, what, how do you want to kind of contribute to this? Like we need to turn this into heavy, cool riffing and we want your input on it, you know. And Chris is more, you know, melody focused and you know he cares about leads and stuff like that so he was like yeah i'll, I'll join in later but Johan is like I'll, he takes all the songs totally apart and redoes them in in the way that he feels is even better you know and that was fascinating just to see his process and all of a sudden like we get this version of a song that we've been working on for months and it sounds totally different <laughs> and it and it but it's awesome you know it sounds great and you go like oh, this is awesome but there's no way we can put this on a DT record, you know. Um, <laughs> so we need to kind of pull it back a little bit and, and try to kind of get it to to where it fits on an album, that it fits with us, that it feels comfortable. So after a few tries, you know, we we got there where Johan understood, you know, what we were after. And also he could kind of really show off like his his things as well. So that's normally kind of how it, how it works. But... Uh, with Martin or Niklas, it meant, you know, we knew each other for 25 years or 30 years before. So you kind of know exactly what to expect and what to do. Whereas Johan is kind of like a n- new guy. So he was like, let me show you how, what I can do. And um, as interesting as that was, it not necessarily what we needed. So, um, but once he, he got into it and understood like where the songs and the album was going, then he could, really, really uh, contribute to it and also write some stuff that that was very similar to that. It had like the same vibe um, that made for a more interesting album. So three of the songs on the album he wrote and we managed to kind of have them, you know, fit in kind of seamlessly onto the album. And uh, I'm, I'd really love that, that we could do that and that worked out. So I'm looking forward to even working even closer, you know, uh, for the next album already. 
Yeah, definitely. It was a, a pretty uh, exciting thing for people that have followed like uh, Swedish metal for a long time to see uh, Chris Amet and uh, Johan both joining uh, DT as bands that have all been in a, uh, or have been in bands that are all kind of in a similar world to Dark Tranquility. And I think that the the bridging of all these styles under the DT flag worked really, really well. Um, and now you have a, a very strong lead section for, for the band. <laughs> yeah, we need, we need to take a step back and just let them go, go nuts. It would be awesome. <laughs> I'm I'm kept telling I keep telling them to to kind of write an instrumental so we can have like a, a twenty uh, so I can have a twenty minute break during live shows. And just <laughs> <let them> be, <laughs> like be nice, but yeah, it's, yeah I, it's very cool. Like uh, I couldn't be happier. It's just like I cannot wait to go out and play these songs now. You know. Um, and you did uh, you did a live stream that you mentioned. I I was yeah. able to uh, to watch it later in the day and. <laughs> Uh, really beautiful setting. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about the setting for the live recording and um, what it felt like to play to in this beautiful theater that maybe you had visited at a certain point in your life uh, prior to? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's Storteltan, which is like dead center of town. And it's uh, it's an old theater just for yeah theater, classical music. Very rarely any rock shows. I've seen like Doom in there or yeah, something like that. Soundtrack of our lives, maybe. Uh, but other than that, they don't do that. And it's a gorgeous, gorgeous, you know, built in 1859 or something like that. And, but now every, all the venues are closed, you know, obviously. So it meant like we could rent any place, you know, in the city we want. So we just asked them like, can we use this for a couple of days? And, and they were like, yeah, why not? You know, so it was great. And it's a beautiful acoustic, you know, and it, it, it smells super old, you know, just in that way you like it and um so we decided to do like a full production use all of our crew who come came in from portugal to do like a proper proper show and we learned all the songs from the album that we had never played before which was grueling and um fucking incredibly uh, hard to do we had never done that before and then we decided okay let's let's do it we rehearsed for one day and then we shot like three different sets during one day um, and doing three set, sets in one day, that's nothing I would recommend. It's, it's fucking <laughs> tough. Especially like full focus, like, fuck, for all the cameras, like, that, make this happen. Like, and then you have a, a break of like an hour and then we do it again. And then we do it again. Uh, that was rough, but, but it was cool to do and um, interesting just to, to put on a show like that and, and to kind of prepare it as if this was the first show of the tour, basically, you know? Mm -hmm. But it feels good now that we're kind of ready, so we could we can go out on tour tomorrow, if if need be, you know. So, mm -hmm. uh, but it, it was great and it was kind of cool. Like there were some technical issues once we we started the stream, but once it started working, like an hour later, it was it was great and uh, people were happy and a lot of people tuned in. So it was a cool thing, you know, something that we were very um, not nervous about, but you know, like we were um, were we didn't know if people were going to be interested in this or you know tune in in enough numbers because this was super expensive for us like it was ridiculously expensive just to put it on and then uh, but it turned out to be a, a great thing anyway and I'm, mm -hmm. I'm really happy so who knows maybe we need to do it again you know in a few months was, or so 
was it the same crew that worked with you on the music videos as well that uh kind that not, shot the live yeah. recording no yeah some of them but and the same director but um so it was it was kind of similar so it, which meant it was kind of nice to have like our crew in the, in the same room with us and also people we knew like the camera crew and also some friends so that made it easier to perform and you know actually play so we could actually because people were excited and we had some friends there who were like really wanted to see a proper show so they were sitting in the in the minors <laughs> you know behind curtains and stuff like that uh really enjoying the show so at least i knew someone was listening and watching you know and that that made a difference otherwise mm -hmm. it's just like staring into a blank void it's weird <laughs> weird it's it's well, a guess, it's a sound check, right? <laughs> it really is, you know. But normally, sound check you just go like, no, oh, uh, I was done now. Like, Where's lunch, you know? But <laughs> so, and this so this was and and doing like an entire show where you have to kind of like deliver and also remember all the lyrics that you just wrote and all that stuff. That was was rough, but and everybody was super nervous. I think I was I, going in. I thought I was the most nervous, but Johan and Chris told me afterwards that it was. They were, um, they couldn't sleep for days before because they were so nervous about it. Just because, yeah, we had, we rehearsed like once or twice and that was it, you know. And then all of a sudden, like you're, you're performing for, and who knows, like we we didn't know how many people would be watching and for how long and, and all that stuff. So it's just like there were so many uncertain uh, things that were not certain or, you know, safe, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Was it the biggest Dark Tranquility show to date? <laughs> no, no, it would it would be cool if it was, you know, where because theoretically you can draw a bigger crowd than you can ever pull anywhere else in the world. But no, not by a long shot. <laughs> Our biggest one whenever was um, Columbia two years ago, hundred and forty four thousand people. And had we had that Jesus. many uh, uh, people tuning into the live stream, I would never have to work again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would be nice. Oh, man. Well, uh, you know, hopefully you guys can get back on tour as soon as possible. And I know that the fan base is excited to see you, to see you live again. And so I know, uh, another project that you're working on these days that I assume was the one that you weren't able to speak about last time we were on is uh, grand cadaver. It actually wasn't. It's another secret thing. Oh, but yeah. it's still a secret. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> See, I was going to joke and say it certainly wasn't grand cadaver, but okay. Uh, well, uh, but, but, <laughs> but it, it was, it, it was also, but so, so yeah. So grand cadaver is, is, is very cool because it's, it's basically exactly how, we started bands in the 90s, you know, when we were 17, 18, whatever, got drunk, sat listening to demo tapes and uh, and, uh, and albums, you know, by our favorite uh, artists and go like, fuck, yeah, we should form a band that sounds just like this. Hell yeah, you know. And then you wake up in the morning and it's like, yeah, maybe not, you know. And, and sometimes it happened, you know, and we started a lot of bands back then, you know, it was like, Hey, we rehearsed tomorrow. And then we did, you know, and we recorded like demo that night, you know, and uh, a four track tape recorder in the, in the rehearsal room, that kind of stuff. And with this was my buddy, um, Alex, who is in Nova Rupta and uh, let them hang. He lives just a couple of hundred meters away from here. 
And we were out drinking one day and he told me like, I, I had this, me and a friend like Donny Liljekvist from Catatonia, we, we were drinking a couple of months ago and we said we should have a band together. Um, and it's totally old school death metal. It sounds like Stockholm meets Gothenburg in the 90s. And I was like, whoa, wow, cool, cool. And yeah, we were thinking about some vocalists, you know, it would be cool to have like Mati Kerki or something like that on it. But I don't think that's going to work. Like, would you be interesting to at least try it or maybe write some lyrics or some vocals so we can have like a demo? And I was like, fuck yeah, I'm not doing anything else. Might as well, you know. So the next day I, I got these like three, four tracks and I started writing some really, really silly, you know, back to the roots kind of uh, horror lyrics and recorded some stuff and just sent it to him. It's like, yeah, sure. And then they sent it to a, a record company, that demo that I recorded here. And um, and they said, yeah, sure, we're going to release this. And then um, a couple of weeks later, like a month later or so, we, we, we entered the studio two days, just a studio super close to here, awesome studio. And for two days, we just recorded the whole thing, like four songs, super easy. We got um, Christian, who's an incredible musician who plays in Paganum, one of my favorite bands from Gothenburg that never really got the attention they, they deserved. And, um, and, and we got, you know, Nicholas, who's the original guitar player for Treblinka and early Tiamat in there. So it's just like... It's, it's classic, it's really, really old school, and it's fun as hell. And, uh, and coming from a recording that took six months or something like that, with Dr. Hulity going into like recording something in two days, oh, it was so good. It was so much fun. <laughs> and it's so, so relaxed, and you know, you're drinking beer constantly, just like in, in, in between takes, we're putting on old records and, you know, just to get in the mood. It's perfect and it, it's really cool. So it's a, we have this, yeah, now it's a four track EP uh, that comes out in February 20th or something like that. I'm not sure. And, um, and it's really cool. Like it's, it's a full 12 inch, but it's one side and then it's an etching on the other side, all kinds of colors on vinyl, super, super cool. I'm getting the test press tomorrow. I'm going to listen to it um, and check it out. And um, I just, so much fun. And, and one of those things that normally wouldn't happen, but thanks to, to Alex, who's such a kind of like a driving force, uh, he made it happen. And now, yeah, now it's, it's going to be out. And who knows if, if people dig it, if it, it's cool, maybe we'll do an album next, you know, and uh, everybody's kind of open to that idea. So it would be fun. And again, why not? <laughs> like it, yeah. it's, it's not that I don't have the time. And I, and I love that. This is exciting just to, to be able to do whatever, the hell you want because you don't have any time frame of when you're going to be away for weeks or months you know you might as well um kind of try to do something creative you know even if, if it's about undead you know spirits and uh demons of the deep or whatever you know? <laughs> yeah definitely uh a little a little different from dark tranquility but it's fun to have a new release and to uh, do things in a really, really different way, and to finally say yes to something, right? Instead of yeah. uh, instead instead of just planning life out and fitting things into into that. 
Yeah, and also just doing things with other musicians is it's great as well. Like it's it's so rare that I do that. I mean, if I contribute to an album, it's normally something that I record in the, in our studio, and you just like you don't even meet the people. You just record a couple of lines or a song or something like that, and that's it. You know, but being in the studio and kind of writing together and coming up with the concept and and, and the whole idea for a, for a new band, you know that that we don't necessarily take seriously, but still is pretty serious and a big deal for for a lot of people in the band and that was fantastic and it's uh, so it's fun to do that you know um there's some other stuff that I've, i'm i'm working on as well that is yeah pretty much the same just because it's fun because people are um restless <laughs> and want to write music you know and it wants to get things out of their system and 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 if they ask me it's like do you want to sing on this and i go like Fine, absolutely. Let's go. So that's uh, what I've been doing. I've been spending a lot of time right here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, that's that's fantastic to hear, and I think that that's something that can really keep all of us kind of going in this time is using our creativity and lending ourselves to projects that we otherwise wouldn't have time for, and saying yes and realizing that hey, it could be something great in the future, but you have to say yes from the start, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I've um, really never been like that. And I'm, I'm so glad that. So that's, the, yeah, definitely a, a, an upside to, to, to all this. Mm -hmm. um, well, uh, are, are, there, uh, are there other projects you're willing to talk about at the moment? Or is that uh, for a future recording? <laughs> for maybe for the best. Future recording. The... But, it, but it, it, also, it involves kind of old, old school. Melodic death, and it and it's also like old school, kind of emo goth. It's weird. It's fun, fun stuff. Things I've done many, many times before. Stuff I've never done before. So it's 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 on that spectrum, some somewhere in between. Like so, so that's very very cool. Like a lot of challenges ahead. You know. Awesome. Well, maybe for the top albums of the first half of next year uh, recording <laughs> we can yeah. talk about it <laughs> cool well uh i'm kind of excited to talk about uh our some of our top albums from the year i know like yeah. miguel we've like we've gone back and forth in the past about new music and i know like uh sam we've talked about a lot of our albums we did like a first half of the year recording earlier this year that right. was a lot of fun it was one of our first episodes and so we're excited to uh kind of cap off the year with uh with you Mikel, and to hear mm -hmm. about some of uh your top albums so do you want to Mikel? would you feel like uh, you just kind of want to jump in on uh on some of your favorites from the year yeah. and uh and then we can kind of talk about them as we go or you know have talk about some generalities kind of after we've all gone yeah and um and, and when, when you con contacted me about this it's like international albums and so i, I did for, and for you international albums means non-american i suppose and it doesn't for <laughs> <Yeah>. me <laughs> let's just let's just run with what we have and have fun <laughs> yeah. with it yeah but i i have only one album that is american mm-hmm but uh, and in no particular order, but it's still on my the first on my list and the first one that came to mind and that I feel very strongly about and that I uh, love and it's uh, Forgotten Days by Paul Bearer. They have been on my uh, top 
10 list or top five list or top three list even before uh, with Foundations of Burden, which I still consider to be one of the best doom metal albums like in the last 10 years or so. Um, and holy shit, I mean, it's it's a return to form, I think, whereas the last album, I can't remember the name right now, but it's still like, this is what I want them to be. And it's dirtier, it's heavier, and it's even more emotional, and it's even more, um, it's, it's even sadder. Um, and I, I love it. I have, I've been listening to it nonstop. And I just got my um, Nuclear Blast special edition version, which is like a bone white with um, purple uh, uh, splatter on it. And oh, it's gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous vinyl. So that was for me one of my yeah a clear um, top five mm-hmm. without a doubt. Yeah, uh, did they record any covers this year too? I feel as though did, was I did was there like an Allison Chains cover that they did this year? Yeah, they did, yeah. I think um, I don't know if it, how it came out, uh, but I've heard it, and it's and it's there. So maybe um, it's one of those. Um, pandemic demo thing <laughs> where you just like do something because why the hell not didn't, yeah. uh, didn't Val also do an Alice in Chains cover album yeah it was the year to cover 90s music I think yeah because yeah. uh, they, they also did um, they did a Nirvana album too what mm-hmm. yeah yeah, yeah. Um, let's see I I swear I, I think I saw Vow. something. Like that. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I thought uh, Vow definitely. There were, uh, there were tracks from both. I thought that there was a Paul Bear. Paul Bear did a. I thought a cover. Anywho, let's. Uh, <laughs> uh, the Oceans of Slumber album, uh, Mikael. I thought y- you you have in your list, and I also think you put it in your playlist from. Uh, from our last discussion, yeah. What what do you like about this album? Another American one. There you go. Yeah, but. <laughs> That's true, but but it's um it's mixed by a Swede living in Germany. So, I mean, come on, it's international. Give, you, give me a little pass, yeah. No, but, no, but it's it, it blew me away. It's, I think um I knew them before and I liked them, and but when like the first single I think that came out, I was just like, hey, what the hell is going on here? Like the production and the heaviness and the and and her voice and everything it was just like this is exactly what i needed at the time and uh, so i've been listening to it constantly this year since it came out and um, just a yeah one of those uh, amazing for for me new discoveries uh, but at the same time like going back through the catalog it's great but this is really like the pinnacle of of what they've done i think and uh, really happy to have discovered this band this year and for for me you know pulver i knew and you know a lot of the other bands i've I've known so it's it's rare where you um not rare but it's great when it happens when you find something that just like clips clicks immediately where you go like yes this is incredible like can't stop listening to it you know Mm -hmm. yeah i feel like this was a year to discover new music and (laughs) oh yeah I think uh, my Spotify recap told me I discovered like 986 new artists this year. Wow. (laughs) I was like, holy shit. That Uh, is good work. Yeah. Uh, Unknowing to myself, I guess I attributed a lot to the playlist Alexia and I have been making this year. But yeah, 900 and something new artists. That's 
how do you normally like find new stuff? Inst- uh, you know, if if you're not getting your playlist from Alexei, like how how do you find it? Um, so either record labels, um, I yeah. pay attention to a lot. Um, yeah. Season of Mist is one of my favorites. Um, oh, yeah. And then uh, I also really like uh, Sargent House here in yeah. the States. They're yeah. they're a really good curator as well. And then I just pay attention to a lot of metal forums and yeah, um, yeah friends too. On top yeah. of Alexi, I have a lot of friends who are just like all over the spectrum with music. So just kind of going down that Spotify rabbit hole or whatever uh, subscription service you're using, you know, oh, yeah. related artists, click, click, yeah. click until you're in this rabbit hole of like, how the fuck did I get here? But... <laughs> But again it's, yeah yeah it's it's it. the year of just if you don't have anything else to do you might as well find some new music you know yeah yeah uh, I, i i think like um since we weren't able to go to roadburn i followed the roadburn roadburn's weekly playlist quite a bit yeah. this year yes. and that was pretty awesome as far as finding new music i found a good amount of stuff that I enjoyed that I hadn't heard, which was really refreshing. And in a way it made me feel somewhat closer to the event that I wasn't able to attend. Um, yeah. I mean, but it's also just like a fun reminder of like all these small labels that are out there that maybe we don't hear about that often. Um, so like, yeah, uh, just little reminders of small, little labels like indisciplinarian from denmark or uh i mean i feel pretty well linked to gothenburg but suicide records uh Svart records from norway pelagic uh from denmark like yeah. or from norway excuse me mm. um and Svart from finland it's just like yeah. seeing those names pop up all the time yeah um helps us remember that this world's actually huge and there's more music than we can ever imagine. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 Uh-huh. That yeah. It's awesome. And, and, and definitely like Roadburn has opened up my eyes and ears to a lot of music just through their playlist and through their programming, you know, uh, at the festivals throughout the year. So I can even go back, you know, check the lineup for uh, years that I haven't attended. And I go like, oh, I want to check this out. I have no idea what this is, that kind of stuff. It's amazing amazing yeah for me i think one of the, the things that i always go to like every month is doom charts just to find stuff you know with all the reviews just like, usually it's all brand stuff to me or brand new stuff to me and i love that i find so much cool stuff you know outside of you know the ones that we mentioned that i also used but it's mm-hmm. good year for that for sure yeah yeah no uh robert's great for finding new new interesting and definitely like definitely a little bit more out there uh stuff you know which i'm i'm in love with i think yeah yeah i think i put one of the bands i was supposed to play this year on my top yeah yeah i can never say this band's name but um regardless tomba yeah they're they're a french band their um their new album le sension was fucking unbelievable just like primal black metal but instead of it being that very lo-fi kind of traditional black metal it's got a really solid production behind it which i just love in my black metal i know it's very much not um no 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 traditional there with you yeah (laughs) 
but I love the high production black metal. It's yeah. just, you can do so much more with that sound when you have the production value behind it, you know? Yeah, would agree. Mikael, do you want to uh, pick back up with, uh, with yeah. uh, some more of your favorites? Yeah, I'm going um, to our neighboring country, Norway, with Motorcycle, their latest The All Is One, which is their third in this trilogy of albums that they did. I mean, they've been around forever, of course, and uh, and it's it's a band that I discovered maybe 15 years ago or something like that when they were in their kind of more symphonic, proggy period, you know? And I liked that, and then I kind of forgot about them, and then I... Uh, five years ago or something like that, I got into them again uh, at the start of this trilogy uh, that started with the tower. And oh, man, it's such such an incredible, incredible band that um, that is they can do you know um, lo-fi um, shoegaze music, or they can do really kind of um, uh, grungy stuff, or they could be totally King Crimson, Prague, or they can be super heavy and they, they pull everything off. It's just incredible. And I just got all of their live albums. They do this Road Works series, five albums, all triple albums, and it's all live improvisational stuff. All, it's, they, they collected all the improvisation stuff that had done over 15 years or so uh, on five uh, separate albums over the years. And oh, it's, it's incredible. And um, I'm so intrigued and I don't understand anything. And it's one of the bands that I've never seen live uh, and that I wanted to see the most. Um, and yeah, I, I, I couldn't be more in love with. Uh, and it's, they're a power trio. There's something about power trios that I'm, I'm very much uh, in favor of. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, motorcycle, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think the, the, the more the more the more noise that three people make, the the more that I tend to enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But that, that's the part. Like, and especially like if you play that well together, like it doesn't matter. Like you don't need two guitars, um, or you don't need that. It's just if you play well enough, you can make it as fucking heavy as it possibly can get, and they really pull that off as well. Like when mm -hmm. they want to. I mean, technology is great now too. Where like, if you wanted to take that on the road, you know, you can yeah. send you can send your guitar feed to two separate amps and just double oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. sound. You know, it's just yeah, yeah, yeah. Alex Lifeson I mean, style. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of my favorite bands is Russian Circles, and you know, yeah, uh, they're they're just yeah. a trio live, yeah. and the the amount of power, it, it's just insane. Did you see them at Roadburn like five years ago, four four years ago? No, but we're fortunate they're a Chicago band, so I get yeah, to, oh yeah, you see them all the time, them <laughs> very very frequently. But I think Alexi and I always joke the foot tapping game that um, uh, Mike is always playing. But fuck, man, <laughs> it's just yeah, it's, it, it's 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 one of the highlights of Roadburn of all time for me, like seeing them, but especially like seeing them in the big room. And it was just when they opened up like to the bigger 3,500 capacity room. So mm -hmm. this is four years ago. Ah, time doesn't matter anymore. I have no idea. Um, <laughs> but it, it it was the coolest thing. It was one of the best shows I've ever seen. Like in terms yeah. of volume. And we were like standing in the back, way in the back at first. And it was still loud as fuck. 
And then by the end, you, you're standing in the front going like, just blown away. And then I've, I, I've seen them, yeah, five, six, seven times or something like that. But that was without a doubt the, the coolest just because of, of the sound quality and the volume and just like, like the intensity of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 love them, love them. They were, uh, they were. Even though I get to see them all the time, they were on my list for Roadburn just because there, yeah. there's something about seeing a band that you've already seen many times in a new setting that I was oh, really yeah, yeah. About. with another crowd, like standing with with probably people who haven't seen them. You can right you know, use your peripheral vision to enjoy it even more. Mm-hmm. You know, people get into it and that kind of stuff. Oh, I love that too. Yeah, was- and then there was just like the. Sorry. Uh, no, no, no. no. <laughs> there was the new album, which um, I actually, sorry guys, I did not like when I first heard it. No. But then I saw them uh, on the tour supporting it and yeah. they played the whole album uh, oh. interspersed with their old material. Yeah. And the way that they have a way of layering their set list. Yeah, it made me appreciate that album so much more. And then I went back and listened to it uh, like three times that night. Yeah. And I was like, all right, this might be one of my new favorite Russian that circles. That is awesome. <laughs> Which is, I, yeah. Because I, I didn't get it at first either. Like I it was like, God, oh, this is great. This is great. But it's, it just, it's not, you know, immediate love as it normally is with them. But it has mm-hmm. grown and I, yeah, I can't wait to see them. Uh, to yeah. really yeah to, to yeah to fun, finally kind of get it in a way right that pull i i always go back to milano and the pull yeah. that that riff has and the sway that oh. it has i i didn't really feel it on the record until i saw it live and then i saw it live and i was like fuck yes that is <laughs> that is a riff that is yeah. ambient and weird I was actually just talking to a friend of mine about this album and they're playing with this weird territory of like where ambient melds with doom and it melds with a little bit of black metal vibe too. And I kind of hope I start seeing more of this in the, in the metal community as far as like a genre goes, because it's kind of an unexplored territory at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I would like Mm -hmm. that too. Just to push that forward a little bit more and just, like have things be more unexpected in general. But mm-hmm. I love. Yeah. It goes to show you that setting can really make a big difference on your impression of music oh, and yeah. that it, it really does make a difference seeing something live. And um, for me, watching a band like Russian circles execute that music live with uh, without the backtrack and a lot of other things that you would assume that a band with, that's a power trio making Mm. such complex music would want to take advantage of in some way. But like watching someone just sweat over five pedal boards and, and (laughs) fortunately, fortunately not having to sing. I mean, like that would be a whole nother thing if you get to sing. Uh, I think that was a lot. And also, you know, watching Brian, the bass player, like sweat over all, his, All his shit too, yeah. Shit yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's pretty nuts. What what I was gonna say, Miguel, is that uh for Tundra Five in Gothenburg, I was actually really close to getting Russian Circles Ooh. as the headliner that year. Um there was uh, an issue with the with the routing where it didn't end up happening with their uh. tour that they were doing. Uh I think their booker mixed up Sweden and Switzerland, but uh, <laughs> Oh, that's never happened before. <laughs> Uh, Pelican well still, to Pelican Switzerland still, at this point. 
<laughs> I ended up with another Chicago instrumental band instead, oh, Pelican, yeah. but it worked out. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pelican is pretty awesome, too. But, yeah. Man. Yeah. <laughs> Russian what? Circle. Oh, yes, yes. yes, yes. <laughs> um, talk to us about your uh, your next band on the list, Mikhail. Yeah, Sweden's um, finest um, stone rock band. The, the the kind of band that started it all like 15 years ago or something like that. So this is Lowrider low from Karlstad, which is a small town in, in Sweden. Their latest album is Refractions. And I... I've heard of this band and I heard the first album that came out in yeah, 15 years ago, whatever it was. And it was like, yeah, Stone Rock, you know, kind of thing, you know, kind of this guy is sounding cool, cool band. But they really kind of set a tone and they um, inspired a lot of bands at the time. And I remember at the time, maybe I wasn't that into that kind of stuff or it didn't resonate me for some reason. But then this album comes out and I, I, I wasn't prepared. And it's just <laughs> incredible and it's super heavy and it's really is like, you know, they, they created something or, you know, at least started something in Sweden all these years ago. And they've seen like the scene really grow, you know, with, with, with a lot of bands in, in Sweden, like really taking to this kind of doom sludge, uh, stone rock stuff, you know, you know, with Monolord, you know, all the bands, what have you. And and then they kind of like, hmm, let's uh, let's show them what what it's really is about. And then they do this album that just like kicks all their asses, and it just delivers. And it's it's just amazing. So fuzzy, so heavy, uh, powerful, and um, I, I cannot stop listening to it. And it's 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 definitely uh, one of the albums, or maybe the album that I've been spinning the most this year. Um, I'm super happy, and I. Never seen them. I, I don't know if they play live at all, even. Uh, but I hope they do <laughs> once this is over, so I get to see them. It would be amazing. Very, very, very cool band. Very proud, and it doesn't sound Swedish at all. That I've, I can assure you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that's that's fantastic, and it's fun that y you can kind of discover. Uh, discover genres and bands, you know, over time as you, as you tour or as you kind of go to, uh, to different shows and explore yeah. things that, you know, something that may not make sense for you at a certain point, uh, all of a sudden you see it happening around you with specifically like the desert scene or fuzz music in Sweden that's really taken grip pretty strong in the last like eight years or so. Um, it's, it, but yeah, it's, it's awesome. It, it is. It, it's really like that. You know, they were ahead of their time. You know, and now they <laughs> time's kind of caught off with them, and they go like, "Okay, so then now we can do another one." You know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. it, it's great when the progenitors come back and say, yeah. "Just so you know, this is this is what it is." Yeah. <laughs> Show them uh, how it's done. You know. Yeah. All the youngins who try to be like us, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh -huh. I love the fact that like Sweden is always kind of ahead of those like little curves um, in that kind of respect. And then I also think about this like revival in um, 80s glam metal that you guys are like very about from bands yeah. like Horizont to um, I remember finding this band Crash Diet like, oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah, a yeah, while course. back. 
but yeah. like oh yeah P3 dude, classics yeah yeah i was like damn that is it it's retro but i'm like it's yeah. new that's insane yeah um, there's just like this this there's a lot of glam bands around here like um they're doing it well yeah and crest aid i think that yeah they were very early about it and they were yeah they're still you know one of the most important ones but yeah it's true it's it, and there's a lot of retro bands as well like you've heard of hellas i suppose mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. that kind of stuff so that's that's going strong as well so there's a lot of that too and um so it, it's crazy and i keep telling that to I've, you know, I've been doing so many interviews and talking about like Swedish music in general. And they go like, oh, yeah, so all the melodic death metal scene. Like, yeah, but there's a bit more to it than <laughs> that. Like there's more music to be talked about. Like, mm -hmm. um, like in just in general, like in every genre, I, you know, I, if, if, you know, some of my favorite bands in every genre are basically from here. It's crazy. Yeah. Have you, um, this band called Church of the Canyon Skull put out an album last year? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Holy and shit, where are they from? The, I, I think they're Gothenburg or really? they're Stockholm. Uh, let me let me double check that Probably for you. not from here. I, well, <laughs> it could be, but I, I love that album. It's great. Yeah. Um, my buds and I were listening to it this weekend, and I was like, damn, that is, uh, that's exceptional. Yeah. All right, let me, let me pull it up here. I, I swear. They're British. Are they British? Close enough. Close enough, right? That's close. <laughs> close. Yeah. Okay. British. Either way, uh, yeah. we're sticking with the with the international scene. <laughs> I, 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 no. Sorry. Go ahead, Sam. No, no, no. I was just gonna say. Either way, that that album last year was just again. Yeah. It, it feeds into this vibe of you know retro sound meets yeah. newer production, and it's yeah. done in a way that doesn't feel too tongue-in-cheek either you know what i no. mean no um I, I think some of the answer to this is i was speaking with uh chris kosnick who plays in the atomic atomic bitch wax uh mm -hmm. the bass player and w they're one of those bands that has had like a pretty long resonance in europe but like faded in the u.s uh, and have maintained like a pretty strong recognition um in Europe. And we talked about that quite a bit uh, last time they were in Chicago. Um, and he was kind of saying that, and I think this answers uh, some of what we were just talking about, is that America gave up on hard rock and Europe stayed with it. And I think that that, that plays into some of this generational stuff as well. That's why the glam rock is still strong. It's mainstream and it can be played on radio um yeah there's still like label infrastructure for it there's people that were part of the scene that didn't give up on it that have been a part of it in so many different ways if they weren't just yeah, musicians yeah. as well whereas in the u.s uh his argument was that people gave up on it and just went into other things and that's why certain genres uh may have died out quicker here whereas they may have had more sustain in other parts of the world hmm. interesting I mean, yeah. there definitely is some, some truth into that. Um, mm -hmm. And I mean, yes, stuff that you maybe grew up on and kind of like forgot about, it's still, you know, in pretty much recent memory to a lot of people here, maybe, you know, or stuff that came here later or that 
because it, it, it was used like the influence of America, for instance, you know, on us as kids was huge. Seeing American TV, getting MTV, all that stuff. It was incredible for us. You know, it was something very different, and especially like, you know, in Germany where everything was kind of controlled and, and, and crazy. And all of a sudden, like you're, you're opening up to, to like a whole new way of culture. Um, so it made an impact for sure. And even if it died out over <laughs> where you are, it still lives on here. And so maybe that's, that's the reason, like we, we just want to hold on to those, you know, things that, that got us into this in the first place kind of thing. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I'm, bringing my, I'm bringing my band to Gothenburg. Sorry. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> our, our glam band. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, all right, Mikael. Well, uh, you've got a, a little more left on your list and then uh, some other notable items, it looks like, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my number five is Kausasui, one of my favorite bands from Denmark. Um, Three-piece as well, but they are sometimes more, sometimes less. Um, improvisational, um, instrumental, doomy, desert rock, psychedelia, heavy psych, heavy, whatever, they can do anything. They've been around for a long time, just releasing album and album. And it's, I have all everything. It's what I'm, it's one of the bands that I collect everything from. Um, El Paraiso is just a, such a great label for weird psychedelic music, um, in Copenhagen. And yeah. And, and this new one is a dub, their first double album and Oh man, I kind of stopped listening to it. It's so so smooth and so weird and so heavy at the same time, and it's just um, um, and unpredictable, of course, as it is mostly improvised. But um, it's a incredible band. One of the they and they announced so many shows in Copenhagen. It, Copenhagen is not very far from for me. It's it's a three hour train ride. I still mm-hmm. haven't managed to see them ever. And, um, <laughs> But I will, and they but they canceled all of the shows. So it's just like they announce it, and then yeah, it gets canceled, and then they announce it, then yeah, and they rarely play it. They have done a f- very few shows over the years, just that weird, you know, psych and prog festivals. But it's an incredible band, and I cannot wait to see them because yeah, they. I have all the live albums, so I know they can pull it off. I I was actually exposed to this band when I was drinking at Ulsenigan uh, in Copenhagen. Nice. And yeah, like I was just thinking about why is this before we started, I was thinking, why is this name so familiar? And I went like and found this piece of paper that my drunk ass fucking wrote down the name. And, it was there. <laughs> and uh, I remember hearing it and like just having like a moment with it, you know, drinking brew pub brewed beer and having a fun time uh but there is like a a scene in uh in northern europe and i think something we don't experience as much here of like the psychedelic experimental that side of things um and i think uh aura sun sound collective also put out a really good album this year yeah for sure it's on my top 10 (laughs) <laughs> but they release albums all the time. They have three albums every year or so. <laughs> like it's mm-hmm. it's crazy. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's something cool about it. I mean, it's, and it's I mean, it's not strictly metal, but it's definitely metal enough to to be included on a list like this. And it's uh, because it's super heavy and it's super like super down tuned sometimes. And it just 
and it's it has that yeah the heaviness is is as, as heavy as most other things uh, you know on our lists i would say mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. very cool awesome um and i see some non-notables that i'm excited to hear about because uh, right. I've not heard of many of them. <laughs> okay, so so the ones that I, I brought out was like a Swedish retro band called Lycanthropy. Lycanthropy. Um, they've been around like this is their third album and it's really, really retro sounding, you know, very analog, very 70s rock, uh, very, you know, like Fleetwood Mac, that kind of stuff. But it's, but it's heavier and it's dirtier, uh, kind of grittier. But in a cool way, um, and Tales to Be Toolist—they just came out a couple of weeks ago. It's super cool, and it's the same with Sienna Root. It's very much that as well, like this um, kind of back to the roots, um, all recording all analog, um, one takes, kind of you know. Let's let's see if we can do it the way they used to do it. That kind of thing. Um, incredibly cool band as well. I and I I, I saw them. They they they, um, they did a release show here on on my street actually, for this album, The Secret of Our Time, and they played the entire album live, and it was just like, oh yeah, this is perfect, you know. <laughs> and then an awesome live album is The War on Drugs. Um, I don't know where they are from, America somewhere, um, but I just can't get enough of it. It sounds like a, the perfect mix between Bruce Springsteen and uh, Bob Dylan, but it's miserable and and weird and depressing all the same but they did a live album live drugs and it's oh man it's it's gorgeous and amazing and uh then live synth it's kite like one of my favorite bands from sweden it's it's one of the lesser known bands the synth scene is not that big anywhere you know there's depeche mode and then Kraftwerk, and then there's nothing there's a big uh-huh. void you know <laughs> we always laugh about this with our keyboardist Martin, who is a very big synth guy, and he has a synth band, and they can easily sell hundred records sometimes, you know, if they put something out. And it, it, that's where the synth scene is, but and Kite is kind of like that as well. But they're awesome and they're heavy, and it's really, really um, emotional and cool, and 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 it and it's actually produced by Blank Mass, who is um, who was at Roadburn last year. So it's it has some connection to to the heavy scene as well. So it it it's there, and they did a, a live show uh, in Stockholm, and then released it on like Swedish television. So a lot of people have watched it, and so much actually, so that they actually they were number one on the charts when we were number three after ACDC when our album <laughs> came out. So that's how. Um, <laughs> How little you need to sell in order to need to number one because <laughs> a thousand copies of the of the live album and that was it or five hundred actually because it's a double so yeah but very very cool emotional cool like synthy like emo stuff but done so cool and um, yeah the tiniest band in in Sweden but they um, they would never get the recognition they they deserve. It's funny. I feel like um, I mean maybe. I know I listen to a lot of 80s synth pop still, uh, yeah. like anything from Depeche Mode, Tears for Fears, that whole oh, thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I feel like that is coming back in the States, yeah. but like in a more depressed way with bands like Soft Kill, which I'll be talking more about next week, I think. Um, Soft Kill, yeah. Like they're just, they're fully riding that synth wave in a very yeah. dark way. 
Yeah. And then they're collaborating with hardcore bands to create these really unique splits that I think are just amazing. Yeah. And and like they, they draw parallels that you wouldn't otherwise expect, you know? But it's cool. Like, I think like the, like the the synth, it was heavy, you know, and there was a thing, you know, I I probably talked to you, Alexei, about this, but there was a thing in, in, in Sweden in the eighties, you know, where you either into synth or you into metal. You know, <laughs> either or that was it, you know, in school, you know, when I was eight, 10, you know, 11, whatever, uh, you were either or, you know, you like Depeche Mode or Kraftwerk and Devo and, you know, all that stuff, or you were into Maiden and Iron Maiden and, and Judas <laughs> and all that stuff. And that was uh-huh. it, you know, and, but I was into both, you know, I loved Depeche Mode, I loved Eurythmics, I loved, um, you know, what about uh, Roxette? You know, the whole uh, Rox, Roxette, but that was more pop. But still, yeah, of course yeah, I love that. I love, oh. you know? <laughs> but, but then there was, you know, then there was Metallica and there was, you know, Judas and all that stuff. So, and, and you had to kind of choose a side, mm-hmm. you know, otherwise you got beat off, beat up by the, the guys on the other side, basically. So I, <laughs> so I got beat up by synth guys and metal guys because I couldn't pick a side. But, <laughs> but it was fun because... But it's cool to see that kind of merge a little bit now because that, that kind of synth wave is getting heavier and the metal is getting synthier sometimes as well. <laughs> so, so, you know, it's not that far off. Mm-hmm. It, it like, feels that way. Yeah. It yeah. feels as though uh, there, there are a lot of strains of these genres where there's an audience where it wants it, where there's a desire to keep things a certain way that they've always been like an orthodox strain, but more and more people want to see collaboration and people want to see uh, open-mindedness and they want to see genres overlap. Uh, like I, I feel as though collaboration culture in general has been pretty accepting of all of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. I love it. It's good. Definitely. Mm-hmm. It's, it's good for us who want to, you know, live in a lot of different worlds instead of one, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Um, Sam, I'm really stoked about your uh, your top list. Do you want to yeah, run through some into stuff? It. Yeah, I'm down to uh, down to dive in. Uh, I already touched on the French band, uh, Regarde Leo Metemba. Um yeah. Again, great black metal album. Love the production on it. And uh, kind of sticking with that theme, the the I guess I would put them at number five on my list is the band Guy Rea. Um, they put out an album called Limbo. Uh, they're from Portugal, and uh, they kind yeah. So they straddle the line of where I would consider um, earlier behemoth, like Zio Cultus era um, behemoth. So they, they definitely have a lot of black metal in them still, but there's a lot of tiny bit of death metal elements in their sound too that I'm really, really digging. Um, I feel like I was trying to fill this void uh, where Batushka filled for me yeah. last year, and then there was this whole lawsuit thing and you know the original person who started it oh yeah there were yeah there were two bands and all that yeah yeah and so i was trying to fill this void and i feel like they kind of uh they filled it and then gave that void a little bit more of personality as well which i really really dug yeah um cool yeah i can't wait to i need to check it out 
Yeah, definitely, uh, yeah. definitely pretty rad stuff. Mm. And then um, fourth on my list was Second to Sun. So they're uh, a smaller band from St. Petersburg, Russia. Um, I, I actually just found this album this weekend and um, my buddies and I were just drinking and we threw this on and we were thrown for a big, big loop. Um, it's death metal, it's black metal, it's weird. There's one whole track where it's just nothing but the dude screaming in the middle of it, but it's in a weird way, you want it by the time you get to it. Yeah. Um, it's a band that, or an album that leaves you on the edge of your seat. You're not really uh, comfortable while listening to this album per se. Um, and for that reason, it kind of just like leaves you in a constant state of uh, where the fuck am I? What am I doing with my life That's right good. now? That's like, good. Keep you on your toes and uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely a really cool album. Definitely encourage people to listen to it while they're like either drunk or if you're a weed smoker, fucking get high and put that album on. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is a trip. Nice. <laughs> Very uh, cool. Yeah. Um, did, uh, did that track with just the male screaming give you that like uh, lingua ignota desire that you may not have gotten this year because there wasn't a new lingua ignota mm -hmm. album? Yes. It, it kind of filled that void a little bit, <laughs> yeah. uh, which was good. But but Lingua Ignota did do a couple of collabs this year, which I thought were pretty yeah. rad. So, you know, I think we still got a little bit of that fix, even though we didn't get a true Lingua album. No. Um, third on my list is Draconian. This was another band I found. I, I, like, found so many bands this weekend. I finally had a chance to, like, not focus on school for a little bit this weekend. So I just yeah. dove into a bunch of new music. But... um. This band, Draconian, they used to, I feel I had listened to one of their albums beforehand and they covered this like weird goth tinged doom sound, yeah. um, which was really, really cool. And um, this new album though, it, it, I'm a big fan of big ambient sounds and I feel like on this album, they fully embrace that. And so you have spoken word parts with the male vocalist who then breaks into screams. They have a female vocalist who's got a very beautiful voice where she breaks out. Um, and then you got very heavy doom that breaks out into very ambient kind of um, like ethereal sounds. And then they'll immediately dive back into a, a doomy tinged goth kind of weird I don't even know how to fully explain it, but this album uh, under a godless veil is definitely a break from what they have done. And it's just very spacey. Very cool. Yeah. I, I love that album too. I, I think it's beautiful and it, it has all that, you know, all, you know, normally like this kind of pretentious doomy, you know, like emo stuff can, can be kind of overwhelming, but this is just right. And it, or maybe just, fits perfectly this year but I, yeah. I love it 
Yeah, I, I, I think from what I'm gathering, I just got very high this weekend and was really feeling the ambient. <laughs> <laughs> But um, I, I can recommend, like, if you're like, because Heike, the the female singer, she is amazing, and she also has a band, um, a project together with Daniel Enghede, who's in Draconian for a while, and also has he was in Cripple Black Phoenix and um, a lot of other bands. You know, he's he's great. But so they and they were together for a while, and they did a couple of albums together called Ison, like I S O N, uh-huh. and like two EPs and one f- full length album, and it's. It's all kind of like really ambient, spacey stuff. And it's just him, you know, on different kinds of keyboards and guitar effects and her voice. Awesome, awesome mm. stuff. Like it's really, really good. Like it's it's that kind of atmospheric music that is just like get lost in, you know, you put on your headphones and yeah, smoke a little and you, you'll get the <laughs> Uh-huh. Incredible. Well, before... Yeah. And like on that note, you know, um, I believe we talked about this band last time we were with you, uh, Sylvain. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So she's from Norway. I, th- I believe she lives in France now. Uh, she did a split with uh, Requited. And oh, yeah, yeah. I, I actually, I know I talked about this split last time, but yeah. it's still in my mind. Uh, it, it just her voice with her solo on a keyboard on one track and then piano on the other is just unbelievable. And then requited is a very atmospheric break out the whole, like all the synth, all the keyboards just overload you on atmospheric sounds. It was an amazing split for sure. Um, I guess then PG lost yeah absolutely <laughs> blew my mind with oscillate this year uh-huh. i i always held a versus very high on my list yeah. of albums that i always would go back to because that album is just amazing i feel after giving oscillate at least 20 spins at this point it, it blows versus out of the water the way that band does their chord progressions to kind of circulate uh, the theme throughout the whole album and make you feel like you're living in a repetitious loop, yet listening to Ooh. something different on every song yeah. is something that takes a lot of skill to craft. Yeah. And they do it absolutely perfectly. Like, we were listening to it this weekend and and... I had a whole new perspective on it. And I was like, is it, did we do this album? Like, no, we're, we are literally only in the middle of it. And it just kept building and building this theme that I thought was amazing. And so I, I really do put it at the top of my list because what they did after Versus to get to this point is just, they build on the synth it's heavier it's it's a little less melodic i think as far as like leads go and stuff like that but it's it's the perfect kind of middle ground of there's enough melody to keep you interested yet you're always questioning where the next move's going to be even if you already feel you know what it's going to be yeah i love it too i i totally agree it just like 
oh, it really, really just pulls you in in, in a, such a cool way. Mm-hmm. It's a mm-hmm. it's a perfect headphone album for me. Oh, definitely. <laughs> I uh, I I really enjoyed uh, the live at Dunkfest from 2017. Like Ooh, I, this yeah. this kind of this mm-hmm. kind of music, uh, generally speaking, really grabs me when it's performed live. Um, yeah. Especially a band like uh, like PG Lost, like you get tons of highs out of it, and you get like uh, a lot of very like uppity feelings from it that heavy music doesn't normally give you. Like in in a, in a way that Pelican does, but it's driven from kind of a different force. And uh, I that was kind of why also on the note of like PG Lost, they did a remastered of Yes I Am. And you got to mm-hmm. hear live tracks as well from, from that that I thought were super duper cool. So hopefully um, we can hear some live stuff from, uh, from Oscillate eventually. Cause I think that this will also translate super well in the live context. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And uh, for everyone out there, if I recommend the album front to back, but if you're going to listen to one track, Waves blew me away. Absolutely blew me away. Um, so that is my top recommendation of the year. Um, I think one of my favorite, I, I, I think I would call this a repressing slash remaster mix. Um, the hardcore band from England, Venom Prison, did a whole out, like new album of um, remasters um, called Primeval, which I believe was one of their original album co- uh, album titles. So it's a bunch of remasters from their early years, and then they added two new tracks. It was crushing, absolutely crushing. And then um, Zeal and Ardor. I thought their EP was really good, very timely for the state of the world right now. Um, Very somber, even Mm though, like, so one of my favorite things about Zeal and Otter has always been that they take old slave chants and they kind of rework them into metal songs. Um, They they kind of broke this this time and played on the whole Black Lives Matter movement, which I think was very fitting. and they took a more somber tone with it, yet they still incorporated a lot of black metal elements that they um, usually do. And that EP just blew me away. Incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then uh, otherwise, you know, non-metal, I was talking about this with Alexi and Jason before we hopped on the podcast. There's this band from Chicago called Gramps and the Vamp that uh, we found this weekend. Uh, <laughs> Keeper of the Void came out this weekend or in October. Yeah, it is dark, it's groovy, it's avant garde jazz, it's cinematic, and it's wow. psych rock all wow. like melded into one. It I is, love it. It like just do yourself a favor, put some headphones on, and give that shit a listen because you're <laughs> it's a trip. It is so much fun. Um, I would also want to point out, I hope this album comes out next year. Uh, the Wardruda single uh, was very, very tight this uh, October, I think it came out. And then Merker's new song, or new album, Folk Songs, yeah. was phenomenal as well. 
Yeah, but that's old school Scandinavian stuff. I love it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, folk song was amazing. But some, sometimes I, I, I get why that is great. But for me, it's such a, yeah, I've heard these songs a million times when I was a kid. Because it's something that is so kind of ingrained in you. And you've heard it like played at TV shows and, you know, these weird, you know, like stuff for your parents, basically, or your grandparents. But then yeah. done in a different way, it... It takes on a to- totally different context. So at first you go like, yeah, really? Like, do I want to hear this, <laughs> you know, lullaby or this goodnight story or this kind of thing that I've heard in so many ways? But when it's done that good, when it's done that well, as Mirkus does it, it's amazing. But it's just, mm-hmm. you need to get over, for Scandinavians, you know, you need to get over that little hurdle first and then you go like, oh yeah, yeah bring it on. Uh-huh. Know? Yeah, I mean, you know, here in the States, you would, you could argue we have Native American folk songs, but that's not very popular and people don't grow up hearing that. Um, no. I, I attribute the reason I like all these very ambient kind of bands and sounds is because I grew up with um, Lord of the Rings music and Howard oh, yeah, Shore yeah, yeah. just did an amazing job with that soundtrack. Yes. Yeah. And it really left an imprint on me as far as what I enjoy musically, these big ambient kind of sounds. And obviously it it has a huge effect on what I love. Um, And so Merker, you know, me not being able to hear that sound outside of, you know, her Wardruna and maybe uh, heel lung, you know, I don't really get that sound. Um, So I thought the Merker was just amazing this year. It's funny. What? Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we were talking, thinking about the same thing, but it's funny that like Vardrona is, um, I, I've, I've seen them a few times and it's so cool. Um, but, now, but now I hear it every day because I'm playing the new Assassin's Creed Valhalla and Vardrona is like <laughs> part of the soundtrack. And actually, yeah. like, they, they did actually some of the voices and also like wrote some of the music to it. And it's so it's in the background sometimes as I'm raiding the city and yep. this little <laughs> settlement in, in, in England. <laughs> yeah. Like, hmm, I, you know, I, I recognize this sound. Like I recognize this voice and it's uh, like Einar Selvik, you know. Yeah, super, no, I. I totally noticed that when I was playing through it. I was like, damn, this literally sounds like Wardrina. And then I yeah. I go back and I look and I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> it is. <laughs> but Assassin's Creed has always done a great uh, job with their soundtracks. I mean, I remember yeah, Black yeah. Flag with the pirate chants and just the yeah. music. And that was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess my only final note is I thought it was really funny on my Spotify recap list. My number five genre I listened to was medieval folk music. And I know that was all Merker, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and Wardrobe. <laughs> I, I, I could recommend, like, if you want like Swedish folk music and this kind of stuff, like, you check it out a band called Agusa uh, from Sweden as well, like A G U S A. Do you know them, Alexi? It's the drummer uh, from uh, Orison Space Collective, and it's mm-hmm. it's just like it's traditional Swedish folk music done in a, like a prog rock kind of way, mm-hmm. and it's it's a lot of improvisation, a lot of like it's incredible, especially the early stuff. It's it's more traditional Swedish, whereas now they are more proggy. But man, okay. great up, great great band. I've, oh, one of my absolute favorites. It is uh, it is now saved on my Spotify and awesome. I will yeah. be listening to it. 
we're gonna we're gonna have to create like a few different playlists for the episode notes for this one. I think <laughs> new stuff has um, come to light. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> new new things we weren't aware of. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in with uh, with some of the my uh, favorite international things from the year. Um, first, the, these albums were really in no particular order, but I would say that uh, the biggest surprise there were a couple of surprises this year. Um, first for me was that a lot of self release stuff did really well for me like bands that just were putting stuff out uh, on their own as opposed to with a label. So um, in that vein, uh, Yuri Gagarin, who uh, had played Scorch Chandra before, instrumental, um, kind of psychedelic music. um, Gothenburg's own space rockers. (laughs) Gothenburg's space rockers, yeah. Uh, They put out a new album this year, uh, The Outskirts of Reality, that I thought was a really, really great album. With this one, I feel as though one of the bigger changes was a change in tempo. They varied the tempo a little bit and they kind of widened out what the pocket is because I feel as though with their uh, their self-titled album and also at the center of Infinity, their second album, they found a really, really great groove. But if you were looking for a variation that tempo would dictate, you didn't really find it, which... Uh-huh. You know, it may make sense in relation to the style of music that they're playing, but it was fun to see that kind of uh, variation and what you could do around that, much like in a similar but different way how the last Monolord album had a little bit of variation in tempo and that yeah. pushes your sound in a new way. So I agree uh, I, totally, man. I was really, really stoked with, with this album. I'm kind yeah. of surprised that there wasn't a small label that they wanted to work with, but, um, uh, or that, you know, for whatever reason, it was a self-release thing, which is awesome. Uh, I'll probably have to go through 15 different mail orders to find an LP to, uh, <laughs> to, to grab, but uh, I, I'm really I bought, my, I bought mine at the show. Oh, uh, <laughs> I was not at the show, unfortunately. No, they, oh, they played uh, Truck Soup Alaska, like, um, right as the album was coming out or week after or something like that so Mm -hmm. um yeah i would i would love to uh maybe next scorched tundra we'll we'll uh we'll have the back (laughs) um and also another uh self-released album that i enjoyed a lot that was a new band for me uh convocation um from finland they put out an album called ashes coalesce that i thought was really exceptional a uh, beautiful example of kind of uh black and death metal over uh with overarching like super bludgeony uh doom uh doom overtones uh, it it is probably more of a uh black and death metal album than a doom album if i were to like put it in those little uh you know, genre boundaries but it's really awesome and I remember listening to it. I was like out on a walk somewhere uh, and I listened to it and I thought this band's got to be from Finland. Like I knew that it was obviously (laughs) a different album from what I had heard before. And I was playing this game where I was listening to different things and I was trying to figure out, okay, where are they from? And 
I thought for some reason it was either, it was definitely Finland, but as a secondary guess, the Netherlands came out for some reason, just like you get like random oddballs from the Netherlands. That yeah, but yeah, I get that connection weirdly, but yeah. <laughs> it's the, the small country syndrome maybe, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah this album was uh, absolutely massive for me. Really. Very uh, cool. Never heard of it. And I, I see that it's actually out on like everlasting spew records, but probably wasn't at first and it looks gorgeous. Oh, and man, I need this. Very cool. Yeah, it, it's fantastic. Like, uh, I would, I would just say check it out. Like, long ass songs, really. Uh, yeah, it, it hurts to listen to, but it's, but pain is good sometimes. Um, <laughs> another uh, staying in Scandinavia here. I also enjoyed the new Ocean Chief album. I know that I spoke about it on the. Uh, it also made my list earlier in the year, but yeah. it stuck around. Uh, I think this band's fantastic. It came out on Argonada Records, who I felt as though that label actually had a really good year this year too. And oh, I know, yeah, I for think, sure. yeah. Um, was it? Uh, did Nicholas Sundin's album come out on that label yeah. too this year? Yeah, yeah. is out there, and like Don Ringo, my friend, bands, it's out there, and yeah, and Ocean Chief awesome of course like uh, I'm a, a big friend uh, i'm a, a good friend of uh tobe who's the drummer and vocalist I've known each other for a long time and he's yeah they're amazing and just it's cool to see how how they can get away with what they do <laughs> and, and i love it you know mm -hmm. absolutely like uh i i think that they're a band that a lot of people over here would also enjoy yeah. It's not quite your Conan brand of Doom. I would say maybe it's a little closer to Slowmatics if I were to put it in mm -hmm. the, in relation to someone else. But uh, definitely, you know, a top Doom album of the year. Yeah. Um, another kind of surprise for me, and I may have issues with a pronunciation, but I think most of the world would anyways. Caron. Uh, Irse, um, yes. from from Finland. So anyone's guess is as good as mine. Um, they put out an album called Polysom, uh, which came out on Svart Records, a uh, label from Finland that I've enjoyed a lot. And this was just more of a fun, spacey, uh, sort of get lost in moods uh, sort of album that yeah. to me, it still is a heavy album and it not just because a member of Aranzi Pazuzu is in this band, but also because uh, it actually has a metal tinge around it, but there's yeah. so much more to it that I think is uh, worth like significant investigation. And again, another album that I listened to and thought, Finland or the Netherlands? And this one was definitely like closer. <laughs> it's like the Germany or Florida, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. More, uh... <laughs> I was just about to say. <laughs> but, but this was uh, definitely Finland. I, like, and there was a, uh, a weird thing that came to mind that I wanted to ask you, Mikael, is um, I know that you've taken out many Finland Finnish bands on tour. 
uh, probably greatest per capita tour mates of uh, DT of any other country apart from maybe what? Sweden. <laughs> and yeah, but uh, still probably more Finnish bands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and there were some elements of like. Uh, this is a bit of a stretch, but uh, indulge me. Uh, there were some elements of like that weird part of Amorphous's career when they were like a major label band. I think they were mm. with like EMI or something in the mid 90s, yeah. like after Relapse, before they went back to um, Nuclear Blast. But yeah. uh, at the beginning part of this uh, Charon album, uh, there were some elements of that like froggy part yeah, of yeah. like dark metal that I thought was super yeah. cool. Um, I don't know if that's the era of Amorphous's career that anyone really likes anymore because <laughs> it's been buttressed by, you know, the original vocalist being there at the beginning when yeah. Tales of Thousand Lakes came out and now he's back. He's been with the band for a while now. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But, but uh, it's true, yeah. And and it it is it's cool. I mean, obviously, um, like Finland has more metal bands than any other country per capita, as we know. But <laughs> and and Kadernirse was a band that I discovered through uh, Roadburn because they were scheduled to play last year, I think, or year before, whatever. Mm -hmm. And and I went and I saw it, and I was like, oh, holy shit! I, I was blown away. And it's the same time I, I discovered uh, Uransi Pasusu as well, just, uh, mm -hmm. or maybe the year before, but it was just, you know, around the same time. And holy shit, like just knowing like, you know, from the country that has, you know, the operatic metal or whatever, and the emo bands and all that stuff, there's this super intense, progressive, weird, black metal-y, heavy, death metal-y stuff that is so outside of, of the norm and outside of the, of the, um, what do you expect from a Finnish band? Uh, I love it. I mean, it's yeah, it's it's up there for me as well. This album, um, incredible, and and yeah, you have no idea what to expect from it, and that's what's so great about it. Like it, it constantly kind of surprises you all the way through. Mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely, I, I felt the same way after the first couple songs. I thought I had an idea as to where we were heading. And then no, 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 no. Not, <laughs> not going there, not going there, take me elsewhere. Um, but that's fun. And that's like the the beauty of of heavy music is that there's yeah. such a huge world of it. Um, and my, uh, you know, I would say that uh, this is a top one for me, the new uh, Nova Rupta album, um, Marine Snow. Uh, this is from Suicide Records in Gothenburg, but um, I know that you contributed on a, a Nova Rupta song last year. Yeah, and, on the first album. Yeah, and I thought this album was really, really fantastic. Um, I was looking forward to it a lot based on the the principles and the lineup that was laid out on the last album. Right. And I thought it was really spectacular. I thought that it did an even better job than the last album of capturing a certain mood. I thought that the production was even more mm. dialed in. I yeah. thought that all of the elements kind of came together through the mix super beautifully as far as um, the, the theme, the theme established just, yeah, it, it, it hit me pretty hard. It was an awesome album. 
very cool. I, I love it too. Like I and I, I, I you know, I, I'm friends with Alex. That he lives, yeah, a couple of hundred meters away. Like, and and Suicide Records is even closer to me. So that's how how small yeah. uh, this uh, city is. Um, but it, it's been uh, fascinating to see kind of the the journey that Novarupta has gone. You know, from just Alex's mind thing, like a project where he just wants to do something, you know, because he was tired of all the other bands he was in. And I was like, I want to do something. And he sent me a song, you know, two years ago. Do you want to scream on this? It's like, I have no idea. It's a seven minute song. It's like, what do you want me to do? Like, I, yeah, here are some words, here are some concepts. I go for it. It's like, oh, okay. You know, and I tried to figure it out and it was fun. And it was great. Turned out cool. Then we did one show. And then uh, for this next album, I actually interviewed like all the different singers just to help him out, like to do promotion for it. So it was fascinating to talk to like Josh Graham, for instance, who I'm a huge fan of, of course, and, and just talk to him about like, how is your process? Like, how do you come into like a band? Like Here, here's 10 minutes of music, go for it, do whatever you want, that kind of thing. You have no idea who this guy is. You have no idea what the album is and you just do your thing. And they actually did, like all of them did, and it worked out and it was amazing, you know. Um, so that is super cool. And it was the same with, you know, all the different vocalists. They were kind of unfamiliar with the project and what it was like and what what was expected of them. But they still delivered something very personal, you know, that made the whole into something else. And I, I really, really enjoyed that about the album. So I, I, uh, I'm glad you do too. Yeah, it's a it's a crazy variety of different vocalists. So each mm-hmm. each song has a different vocalist uh, yeah. that that performs on it, and uh, the same was true with the last album. I thought my favorite song was the uh, was the song that Mike Paparo from Inter Arma performed on. Yeah, uh, just he's someone that I feel as though continues to find new boundaries with every inter arma album that comes out of his own range and his own uh, stylistic predilections as well. And uh, this, this was just like another piece of like, Hey, you didn't like those like inner arma covers they did or the covers that the covers that they may have done, or that uh-huh. wasn't really the same type of creative expression. Um, this is totally that like uh, mm-hmm. another just also a totally different context for his vocals to be under. Yeah. So I thought that that was really exceptional, but uh, absolutely worth checking out. And within yeah. that also uh, a number of uh, artists from Sweden uh, who may not be familiar with uh, for an American audience to check out. I'm stoked about some stuff that's coming out next year and a couple of other non-metal things I don't know what the fuck is non-metal, but I'm stoked about a lot of other things that aren't a part of this list. So (laughs) Um, (laughs) we got a clue into the new uh, Cult of Luna album or some new output from them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The the song Three Bridges, I think, and they have a EP Raging River that's going to come out through uh, a new label of theirs, uh, Red Creek. For us in the States, that's going to be distributed by Metal Blade. Uh, whatever distribution means nowadays, I don't know. But Seasons of Mist is putting it out in Europe as well. It'll be out in yeah. February, and I'm stoked for any Cult of Luna output. Uh, I thought this song was really exceptional. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, me too. Man. 
Um, and then on the non-metal tip, uh, a new band for me, Wobbler. Uh, yes. Mik- yeah. All right. So do you have a story <laughs> about Wobbler, Mikael? <laughs> I, I don't know much about them. Uh, I, I knew about them a little bit because I know um, Charisma Records uh, from Bergen. Uh, because I've been to Roadburn with the uh, the guy from <laughs> Charisma Records, and he's, he sometimes gives me records, and he sent me one of the, or he gave me uh, the first Wobbler album uh, years ago, and I was like, hey, this sounds like kind of seventies, yes, which I love, um, and then I, I, maybe I forgot about him or something like that, but then I heard this new album, and it's fucking fantastic. It really sounds like what what I would love to uh, love yes to be now. You know, mm-hmm. with the modern setting and, you know, with the um, Norwegian musicianship and uh, it, it's really great. Like it, and it's like they're having a blast. You can tell like there's such great musicianship and joy in their music. And even though it's obviously influenced, you know, by some of the 70s bands, that, but it's still unique enough to, to be different and, and cool and just, yeah, I, it's one of those bands that who knows if we're ever going to get to see them. Maybe I have to drive up to Norway to, to see them at a small place somewhere. But who knows? It, but it's amazing. Like they, they, and the musicianship is incredible. Love it. Mm. Love it. Yeah. I, I thought this was a, a, a Dwellers of the Deep. I thought it was really fantastic. And I remember it kind of came up on, on a playlist for me. And I thought, did Gentle Giant put an album out? Fuck. <laughs> but nope, nope. It's a contemporary artist, so I'm really stoked about that, and yeah. Uh, yeah. really stoked to check out uh, more of their material. Definitely, it's not an easy thing to take on a '70s prog sound and to do it in any way remotely authentically. So, yeah, um, yeah that's that's one for that's one for the records, and yeah. Um, uh, as far as some live stuff that came out. Uh, I'm a big fan of Electric Moon from oh, Germany. Nice. They put out the uh, live from Freak Live at Freak Valley, uh, which was recorded from last year's, obviously 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just came in the mail for me because it's about a month was about a month shipping, and the gatefold itself is actually really, really beautiful. It's a double gatefold. Oh, nice! This one's suitable on um, records, right? So it's yeah, yeah straight for- from the source, so to speak. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So I was really happy that, uh, to have gotten that in time, but it's a beautiful, beautiful presentation. Um, the sound is fantastic. Uh, really beautiful, like improvisation on it as well. Um, but it's, it's really fantastic. I like can't stress enough the, the value of ordering from abroad and ordering from a label like Solatron and taking a look at, like their catalog because it's really, really strong and yeah. it's worth the price of shipping over here because you get so much stuff that you just, it's not available over here. In yeah. Any and, way. And, and suppose like if you do it smartly, you order just enough so that the postage doesn't go skyrocket and you're just like getting enough albums so that it's, you know, the, the package is fine. Um, and it's the same for me. Like it's expensive to ship from Germany nowadays too. Uh, but I, I I cannot help myself, especially. But Electric Moon, they do they release so much stuff, and I oh man, I I want this too now that you mentioned it. And <laughs> I maybe have to um, have a few more beers and then start uh, drunk ordering <laughs> stuff. 
<laughs> um, yeah, I like the, you know, I'll, I'll give like a special shout out to, uh, to Dave, like the pack job was really, really good too. Like, yeah. uh, like you could have shot that thing with a gun and it wouldn't have hit the albums. Like it was, nice. it was pretty but that's how it's awesome. But it, it's mostly like that for, for small labels like that. I, I ordered a lot of stuff from, from Stickman the other day and they all like perfectly packaged. It's the same with El Paraiso in Denmark or yeah. Um, and Psychobabble and uh, uh, Audio Harsh and yeah, stuff like that. It's it's good. Like they they care. I mean, they're geeks and music fans mm-hmm. and collect and collectors. Exactly. So you're you know that you're you're supporting someone with the same interest as you. Yeah. And I think that's that's really what this is all about. Um, yeah. In that same bulletproof package, I got the Sula Basana box set which is uh, six LPs worth of unreleased uh, unreleased noise and space wow. rock and stuff uh, that I'm nice. really, really... I haven't dug into it yet, but I wanted to uh, just highlight that that was something I was really looking forward to um, over the next couple of weeks of digging into. You do that the same thing that I do sometimes, like on Bandcamp, where you go, like you listen, especially like for a band like Electric Moon, who releases so much stuff, or Urson Space Collective, or Sula Basana, who who does mm-hmm. like, yeah, I have these five albums coming out next month, you know, all, all mm-hmm. kind of spacey improvisation stuff. You go like, you start listening to it, and it's like, should I buy it? Do I need five albums or two doubles or two triples, whatever it is? Do I have space? Like, I go like. Can I fit that in there, or do I just like buy it? And and sometimes what I do is, I just buy it digitally and I overprice it, mm-hmm. so that it feels good, you know, that I still support the band, but without sacrificing shelf space, which is crazy. Yeah, I uh, my solution to that was moving to a new apartment. Um, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not going to be a solution uh, later this year. No. But I, I've done that before. And I think that it is important to find ways to support the artists. And yeah. the the, dig- the quality of the digital recordings is fantastic. We don't always have space for a 6LP box set or like... The boxes uh, are the hardest. I want them the most, but yeah. I really don't have space for them. <laughs> Yeah, but I think I, I think ultimately artists appreciate the support and they are also understanding, especially if they are collectors and there are people that run mail orders. They're probably the most understanding of anyone, you know. Sure. Um, but this is that was the the syllabus on a box set. Something I'm really stoked about. And um, on this similar kind of kick, uh, I saw the Kikigaku Moyo. Uh, put out a live at Levitation LP. They did like a pre-order a couple weeks ago that sold out in probably under 10 seconds because it the wire got out really quick on it. But um, I'm I'm really stoked to at least listening to that uh, through digitally. I may uh, take up the option of paying more on Bandcamp for it. But <laughs> Kikigaku Moyo is a band that really, I would say a little more last year, but I was able to see them live a number of different times, and I thought that they were exceptional performers. Uh, in Chicago, they performed. Like, if you were into this band over the last two years, you got to see them in so many unique settings. Like, yeah. they played yeah. 
They opened for Earthless uh, in a small club environment. Nice. With, Which both um, of those shows were phenomenal and different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were uh, they were at the end of the tour, so you got end of tour awesomeness. Also, the Liquid Alchemy uh, crew did like the, we're doing the lights and like live projections for those shows too. Oh, nice. And that was like fucking ridiculous to see at the empty bottle, like super tiny, unique space. Uh, that band with the projections and then after that they played in the round at Talia Hall which is like a beautiful uh, old theater here in Chicago like I think it's like 900 capacity for the stage but they put the band literally in the middle and then people hang out around it Um, and that was pretty awesome and then later that year they actually headlined the the stage itself and sold it out so like Uh, I was really, really happy to see the live at Levitation, but also I feel as though this band is actually highlighting this genre a lot and hopefully bringing it out to a lot of people because I feel as though there is a disconnect between like the college jam scene, which is really, really huge in America. And I feel as though a lot of people that are into that kind of music could actually really be into bands like Kikigakumoyo or Electric Moon. And yeah. that there's oh, yeah. a huge audience for that here that yeah. like we as metal people kind of see, like we, we look at, we may look at bands like Umphreys McGee and say, but those people <laughs> would really, really <laughs> love, uh, would really love bands like electric. Or, like you know, even Moyo. like yeah. the, the Grateful Dead scene would love band like yeah. Kikigakumoyo, like, mm-hmm. There's so much to appreciate about Kikigakumoyo yeah. coming from, it's kind of like our synth and metal discussion. It's like those yeah, yeah, people yeah. all really come together in some way. And Kikigakumoyo has a fantastic way of doing that, I think, you know? And it's the same, yeah, because of course it's the difference between like the mood of like improvisational music like where if you go like for yeah this is jammy this is cool this is nice that's fine you know but uh and and some of the like that's grateful dead kind of thing whereas um or you know or soon space collectors it's it's more spacey but it's not mutually exclusive like it can work together and i love both you know I, I lean onto the the more experimental, weird, spacey stuff, but you know, I think, mm-hmm. and, and as you say, like definitely, there's room for bands like that, for sure, and uh, mm-hmm. I, I would love to see that. I really would love to see see more that kind of bands coming coming through. You know, we can see. I've seen I've seen them twice here. They played Pustavik twice with very rare, very different bands uh, supporting them or supporting so. Uh, they fit in everywhere, everywhere, and that's yeah. Cool. I think it makes me really happy to see how often Kikigakumoyo returns to Chicago, and oh. every time it's seemingly in a bigger venue. Nice, more and yeah. more people. Um, so it gives me hope that there is actually room for that yeah. scene to keep keep on growing. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think as great as the grateful that is no. they, they are getting older um we're getting to this point where you know that band won't be able to be a thing anymore and so 
you know, those dads who are still doing acid who want to go see the Grateful Dead, <laughs> yeah. gonna, they're going to need a new band to do acid to and go see, yeah. right? And um, fuck, I want it to be Kikigaku Moyo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's the same, like, I, I was thinking like this, uh, like about this uh, last year at Roadburn, uh, Mythic Sunship, who was um, also on like uh, El Paraiso in Denmark, but it's just improvisational super funky like really really like groovy cool music they played four sets at roadburn like oh on, on like a, <laughs> like a, on a skate stage like an escape ramp like space were you there last year no no this no. this year was going to be my first year so I'm oh okay of, there you go all right kind of very bummed <laughs> yeah so but, but they they kind of extended like they had more stages than ever and mm -hmm. and one of them was just like one of those skate parks and they just put up a stage it's in the middle of the skate park which was tiny and no lights nothing cool and sound was weird they played that three nights or three days and then mm -hmm. the fourth show was like a proper one with a, like a saxophone as like a sax sax player and all this stuff uh -huh. the, the first three shows like like normally like i i, I want to watch half a show because i want to see everything else but we watched <laughs> all of those three full shows because it was so incredible uh-huh and 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 i could tell like i, I was like it, nobody it doesn't matter who where you're coming from if you're into rock if you're into like heavy stuff whatever you would love this like it's, it's mm -hmm. that, that kind of um musicianship and drive and passion and and awesomeness that's just you you, you cannot shield yourself from like there's it's right. impossible so everybody was there like said it, yeah that's the best show of the entire festival and mm -hmm. then the next day was like yeah that's as good or better <laughs> and and it, it became like this thing and it was, they were just kids from denmark who are super skilled but it's crazy like how that kind of music can drive an audience you know into frenzy just how they build and build you know on repetition and improvisation and uh um to, to make it unique, you know, and you feel, mm -hmm. and I think that's the, the key. Like you feel like you're part of something that no one will ever see again. Like you right. special, you know? And, and I think that's kind of the beauty of jam bands. And, yeah. you know, I would almost go as far as saying that new PG album is almost a, it's a dark tinged yeah. jam album, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think if people just give it a chance, you'll like anyone could connect with elements of it. It's not, yeah. I, I consider it a metal album. Sure. Yeah. But like, it's not, it's really not. It's just heavy yeah. is what it is. And I think, um, Alexi and I talked about this with a few other Chicago musicians and bookers here is like heavy can transcend genres. Yeah. And it does transcend genres. Yeah. Heavy is a is a tone that rap artists can set, a rock sure. artist can set, even a pop artist can make a heavy album, right? Yeah. And and so when a when a quote unquote metal band does something heavy but it transcends genres, is it still a metal album at that point or is it just is it something album. that's is it just a heavy album? Yeah. And I think that is the beauty of that PG album is like, yeah, if someone enjoys jammy stuff with really unique melodies that is repetitious and builds 
on top of the next song like that that's at that point it's not a metal album no and and if you're ready for things to be non-linear you know where it Mm -hmm. just goes places instead of goes back to a comfortable place that you heard 30 seconds ago right as long as you're prepared to do that then you'll be fine right Mm -hmm. well you know and uh, like i'm not a big grateful dead fan but they're always building it's non-linear yeah yeah, yeah. you know and and so i feel like people who are used to that they would totally dig that pg album yeah absolutely it's it's practically the same thing it's just a little bit heavier and darker tinged is all right yeah yeah. and so there there are these elements in a lot of the roadburn curated sets that but i mean I kind of don't want to say this for fear of more Roadburn tickets selling and me not being able to get one, but a lot of Grateful Dead fans would fucking love Roadburn. There's so much they would dig if they just knew it existed, right? Oh, yes, for sure. They would do like, yeah, an American uh, Roadburn version, just a little, you know, differently curated. That would be fun. (laughs) Yeah, I, I would ar- I would argue that uh, there are a lot of promoters over here that, and there are some festivals that are kind of like, like that, right? Or uh-huh. yeah, well, to, I mean, in, in Europe you see that for sure, but also I would say like Austin Psych Fest that became mm-hmm. Levitation takes a lot Levitation. of cues from Roadburn, yeah. Um, and and there are others as well, but I feel as though they're kind of the the most known, and I think that we're starting to see a lot of that develop as bands begin to come over and tour around levitation. Then Mm -hmm. we're going to see that circuit develop and more festivals pop up around it much in the same way that you see festivals, uh, pop up around Roadburn. It's just a lot more convenient in Europe because this, the, the continent's so much smaller. Um, it would be, uh, You've heard it first, but uh, it would be a dream of mine to have a band like Electric Moon play at the Planetarium in Chicago. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, Mikael, I don't know if you've seen them in the, they do those Planetarium shows. In oh, they Baltimore. do? No, no, no. Um, Natalie and I went over in 2018 and we went for, uh, obviously we wanted to hang out with people, but also we wanted to go to the one of the Planetarium shows. Yeah. And holy fuck, that was awesome. Like, uh, <laughs> it, I mean, there were like some, there was like this crazy storm that occurred. Uh, it was that winter of eight, it was like uh, October of 17, I think. And so there was okay. like this weird windstorm that was all over Northern Germany that all right. we, we had like uh, this turbulent landing into... Oh, all right, I'm not going to wind up too far, but every <laughs> there, there was so much that occurred uh, uh. in the run up to us getting there, to where like there was a huge windstorm, and so all of the trains were knocked out in Germany, and we were in wow. Berlin trying to get to Bochum, and so we couldn't take uh, any public transit over there, and the uh, the flights had all sold out to get to like I think Dusseldorf was the closest, so. We decided, okay, we're gonna rent a car and drive on the autobahn for six hours to get over there. <laughs> nice. And so a friend of ours from Chicago uh, happened to be over there. She was gonna join up with us, but 
she's like a total speed demon. And so we cruise on the Autobahn all the way from Berlin to Bochum. And we made it in town, dropped off our, uh, our vehicle and like, uh, checked into where we were staying and we got to the planetarium. And just as we arrived at the planetarium and like bought some beers from someone that was selling beers outside of the planetarium, the bells rang across the street to indicate that it was nine o'clock and it was time to go. Uh, it was time for the show to start basically. So nice. it was like a whole very stressful nine hours, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it was so worth it to be able to then like plop down in these super comfy, like, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Look, up, <laughs> look up and see the projections and you know two it was like two and a half hours or three hours of electric moon um mr sula basana taking care of you yeah 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 auntie <laughs> sula was taking care of me it was great yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh man what uh yeah I don't know. I don't know if I can talk that. That's a fun story. I'll, I'll get into it. Uh, I'll tell them. We'll, we'll have my friend that drove us uh, across the country on the, on the was podcast. This, was this Magda or was this uh, no? It was a friend of mine, Chrissy. We went to college together. She, okay. Um, she is a speed demon and probably has a million park like uh, speeding tickets. And <laughs> we were very fortunate that she was with us. Cause otherwise I don't know if we would have made it on time, but Someone that loves driving 120 miles an hour, uh, loves driving on the Autobahn. Of course. <laughs> Why wouldn't you? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. So, wow. um, should we, uh, should we tie a bow on, bow on this here? Yeah, we could, we could tie a bow. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking forward to live music. I'm looking forward yeah. to seeing bands again. I'm looking forward to organizing shows mm -hmm. there were so many yeah. things that like i had to cancel this year there were so many first like uh bands that were literally top priorities for years for me to book in chicago that i had on the docket this year oh. that mm -hmm. uh had to had to be canceled but um fortunately you know i feel as though bands are also equally stoked to play live so i don't really feel as though there's going to be any issue getting anyone back. I just want to be able to do all this stuff safely, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say, uh, you know, exploring like this podcast medium has been a really fantastic way to like connect with people in the way that live music has, um, yeah. or has like kind of allowed me to. And so, um, I don't know. Like th those are kind of some of the things that I look forward to next year, but uh, at the same time are somewhat thoughtful about this year. What about, uh, yeah. what about for you, Mikael? Yeah. Live music would be nice to get back to. Um, yeah. I want to go to shows. Like um, I want to, would be nice to travel <laughs> again, <laughs> like going somewhere to, to, to kind of go together, but more than I, yeah, I want to go to, to shows down the street, you know, or to my, you know, my local venues. Um, then I want to have some plans. I want to have some um, dates booked, you know, where I have travel plans that I can actually go. And I want to see all the people that I haven't seen in 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 a more than a year now, you know, at the festivals and the bands that I only meet, you know, at your Euro, uh, European festivals, that kind of thing. I that I really look forward to. Um, 
and also yeah all the bands that I've been missing you know all the cancelled shows all the cancelled tours like um, getting to to see that like, come on you know and I'm hoping that you know all the most of the venues survive all the bands are still kind of gonna go back on tour you know even the the old ones you know you know genesis are fucking touring again yeah but it's a year later maybe they didn't make it <laughs> i mean about that oh no I mean, i'm not it, specifically talking about genesis but band, bands of that age that kind of thing you know um so I'm, I'm really hoping that you know things come back to normal in a way that it feels normal you know of, of course things are going to be different but hopefully not as much as i kind of i, I can't i cannot dread it dread the fact that it's it's going to be uh like a tough thing to to go back to like flights being super expensive festivals going to be overcrowded all that stuff it's going to be like two years of 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 chaos um, mm-hmm. and i hope it's not yeah mm-hmm. yeah but at least um, the cool thing is that everybody's going to be super excited to to go to a show, go to a festival, right. and it's going to be massive, you know, for, for all the, the first couple are, that are happening in Europe, whenever that's happening, whenever, wherever that would be, it's going to be huge and incredible and super fucking cool. And I hope to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, let's, let's hope to just <laughs> as close to as to norm- normalcy as we, we can possibly get. But yeah, who, who knows what that's going to be. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any, uh, any concluding thoughts, Sam? Um, I'm, I mean, I'm in sync with you guys. I definitely, um, definitely looking forward to live music again. I mean, that is such a, it's such an instrumental facet of my life that I haven't really realized um until the pandemic and so um yeah being able to do that again um i'm super stoked about i i honestly like looking forward to having a beer in person like with you Mikhail, when you come to town or like if alexi and i are overseas like being able to do this in person and just shoot the shit for hours like that is something i i dearly miss and meeting new people in person like uh, the the connection you can make with people in person is just so different from that yeah. online connection right yeah, um yeah. so that's definitely something i i'm looking forward to um and yeah i want i want music again i want that live experience for sure and traveling traveling without any uh any worry about you know no, no worries. Just like no worries. Uh, the normal worries. Mm-hmm. The, no- <laughs> the normal, the normal worries. worries. Yeah, those are yeah. enough for me. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> this plane could go down at any moment, and I'm out of control. That's great. You know, that's, at least I'm healthy. At I least <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's going down. That's, we're gonna be fine. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. At least I'm healthy going down. That's what I want to worry about. <laughs> um, yeah. I I look forward to uh, being able to hopefully travel next year, even if it is in the the third or fourth quarter. So yeah, yeah, awesome. Well, yeah. Mikael, thank you for joining us. Uh, the pleasure. Been an Great to see you guys again. Episode. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you so thank much. Thank you so much. Yeah, and we'll uh, hope to see you in Chicago sooner than later. Oh, yeah. me too. Me too. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> awesome. 
All right. Well, uh, we'll see cheers. you soon. Cheers. Cheers.